We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You've worked all season long, and now it comes down to this. You wonder what goes through the minds of the players and the coaches in pressure situations like these. If Joe can paint a house in three hours, and Sam can paint the same house in five hours, how long does it take for them to do it together? Wait a minute. You never said this was a word problem. On this week's episode of Trouble with the Script, we're covering the surprisingly authentic baseball action in Little Big League. I was fortunate to be joined by Fred Siegel, more commonly known by his Twitter account at Old Takes Exposed, to discuss Billy Haywood becoming the 12-year-old manager of the Minnesota Twins. I grew up a Twins fan, so being Billy Haywood was a childhood dream for me. You'll hear a few references in this episode to next week's episode on Miracle. If you've been following the podcast, you know that Miracle was actually released last week. Uh, the reason for this, uh, we had a slight hiccup in recording as the software I used for some reason threw in a bunch of unnecessary pauses and random breaks in the action that made this one take a little longer to put together. Uh, I'd really like to blame my internet provider for that. That's that's who I'm going to stick that to. Uh, but for that reason, you know, I'm, I apologize if there's a little bit of audio roughness because of this, but I still think we put together a really good episode on a movie that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Uh, you, you don't hear it up there with Major League or Bull Durham or you know anything like that, but it kind of gets lumped in with movies like Rookie of the Year, and we discussed it in the podcast, but I think it's better than that. It's actually uh, really holds up as an enjoyable watch. I also want to take a second to thank everyone who's left a rating and a review. Uh, I know you know every podcast it's kind of the rule you got to say you know please rate and review. But I read every review. They really mean a lot to me to hear what you know everyone's thinking about the podcast and just hear kind words. It makes it you know easier to keep going and, and makes me really enjoy doing this even more. Um, you know, as always, please remember to subscribe to get the new episodes when they drop on Thursdays, and pass this podcast along to any sports movie fans who you know who appreciate a little realism when it comes to their sports movies. With that, let's go ahead and talk little big league. Welcome to Trouble with a Script, the sports movie podcast focusing on what worked, what didn't work, and what could have improved your favorite sports movies. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. I'm really excited to introduce tonight's guest. He operates one of the most notable sports-related accounts on Twitter and really needs no introduction. The founder of Freezing Cold Takes, Fred Siegel. Fred, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm so excited for this. I, I... I think it's a great idea. I'm a sports movie nut, so um, I think you found the right guest for you because I have a strong passion for this type of stuff, and uh, I have a keen eye for and, and, and a keen interest in many of these type of movies, especially the type of movie that we are going to be talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, you uh, you're noted on uh, on Twitter for having a keen eye for for certain things, especially when someone says something super problematic. Uh, <laughs> some stuff we might get into, but uh, the movie we're doing tonight is something that's I don't want to say personal to me, but it's it's one of my personal favorites because I'm a, I'm a lifelong Minnesota Twins fan. Uh, everyone have sympathy for me, and we're doing Little Big League. 
First of all, I'd just like to say this is really cool. You mean you own the team and the stadium? Can I borrow five bucks? I would like to announce that I've named myself the new manager of the Minnesota Twins. Maybe the problem is you guys forgot how much fun this is. They're major leaguers. Don't you understand? You guys get to play baseball every day. What could be better? Castle Rock Entertainment is proud to present Little Big League. Baseball was made for kids. Just go out and play and have fun. I hate fun. Little Big League is the 1994 American family sports film about a 12-year-old who suddenly becomes the owner and then manager of the Minnesota Twins baseball team. For me, the 90s were a pretty rough time to be a Twins fan. Uh, you know, they had 91 World Series and then just a lot of bad until uh, until 2002. So, you know, this one, I when I grew up, I you know, I wanted to be Billy Haywood. I wanted to be the manager of the Twins. Uh, so Fred, I gotta, I gotta ask you right off the bat, we're going to take a, uh, we're going to take a quick category, a shout out to my buddy, J.R. Hickey, who does the, oh yeah, oh yeah, the Entourage podcast talks about, uh, you know, what, uh, what kind of episode, what kind of Entourage episode, how to classify it at the end of the episode. Uh, we're, we're going to do the same thing with this movie for you. Is this a hall of fame sports movie? Is this an all-star movie, a starter or a bench warmer? It's really tough. It's, it's not a hall of fame movie. It's just not. Um, yeah, that's fun. a that's a upper echelon. Yeah, it's just uh, you got you can't just hand out a Hall of Fame to this type of movie. I um, agree. The question is whether it's an all star or a starter. Um, I I think it's it it's there's there's a lot of sports movies out there. There are plenty that aren't that great. Run of the mill. I think this is beyond a run of the mill movie. Um, I think it's a memorable one, um, one that I certainly watch if it comes on, and it it has a premise that, and I think I think people uh, latch on to it, and but it's not it's not a tremendous piece of cinema. So for that, I'm just, I'm going to give it a starter. I'm going to give it a okay, starter. I that's hate fair. to give it an all star. Yeah, it's 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 just not on that level to me, but it's it's a great movie. It's kind of a personal bias thing for me. I'm personally just going to label it an all-star. It's really enjoyable and I think sports-wise it actually does a lot of things right. I think Little Big League kind of gets lumped in with Rookie of the Year. They came out around the same time and it's basically about kids in Major League Baseball. And I think Little Big League aside from the premise of a kid in Major League Baseball, is a lot better of a movie and better baseball-wise than a, than a movie like Rookie of the Year. But I would consider Rookie of the Year a starter. So I, I think Little Big League for me is an all-star. I think Rookie of the Year is going to be is one that will be more popular than Little Big League. But I think baseball uh, baseball fans, especially people who grew up in the '90s and watched baseball and were kids in the '90s, and you have you're more of a kind of like a nerdy baseball fan, like I was. Um, Someone who's really into baseball would enjoy Little Big League more. But I think when you're looking at an outsider who is uh, really kind of looking to have fun with the sports movie and doesn't care as much about the specifics of baseball, uh, and I think there's more of those people, I think Rookie of the Year is for them. And and, and to that end, I'm pretty sure Rookie of the Year is a more popular movie. Yeah, that's a pretty fair assessment. I'm pretty sure it was. Before we get going on kind of the realism, you know, talking about what worked, what was authentic, etc., I think to to properly analyze the authenticity of this movie, I think we just need to accept the premise that a 12-year-old, you know, be, could become the owner and manager of the Twins. Like, obviously, that's not going to happen in real life, but to to kind of take a look at this movie from a realism perspective, I, you just kind of have to accept that, that that's a thing that happened and we're going to go from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. That would never so, happen. And then no, no 12 year old would be as mature in handling all the different uh, stresses that come with the job that, that Billy did. Agreed. So, uh, you know, with that being said, 
the putting this on a realism scale. Um, you know, I still haven't figured out the, how I'm going to properly name this scale. Uh, one to ten, one being a you know a sports movie with with that's terrible sports centric wise. Uh, that would be Trouble with the Curve. Uh, you know, and then a ten being a movie that's really good sports centric. You know, Major League has great action, something like that. What would you give this on a scale of one to ten? High, very high. I think it's one of the most. I think they really, really tried hard in making sure that um, everything that they could possibly do that would that would make it look realistic, they did. They they really they really focused hard to the point where um, to the point where you like what I was talking about with rookie of the year that it was it was pretty specific in the sense that they and the baseball uh, parts of it were very were so specific that it could take away from somebody who does not watch baseball the fun of it for them. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, place like rookie of the year, they did more of the goofy stuff here. They yeah, really actually like, focused on, it was very, it was very everything right. The, 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 the clubhouse looked like a major league clubhouse. Although I've never really even been one. It just looked like a professional major league clubhouse. The Metrodome, they used um, the, the the real uniforms, and the, the players looked like ball players the way that they played, and um, they talked baseball like that. That point was classic. That movie, that part was classic where Billy was being quizzed by. <laughs> I love that scene. By yeah. Mac. Yeah, it's quick. I couldn't believe that Mac. I couldn't believe that Mac was going to bunt his best hitter. Bunt I mean, that was just ridiculous. Luke I mean, <laughs> I've got that in what didn't work. Like Mac, Mac saying, I'm going to bunt, bunt Luke Collins. They're your three hole. Why does he ever bunt? Lou's a good bunter. He should never be bunting. I mean, there, there will never be a time when it is acceptable to bunt him. Um, so I, I, especially the eighth inning. I don't understand that. that, it's, that, good was that uh, it's, yeah. it's good that Mac got to spend a year under Billy's tutelage. <laughs> yeah, it's great because he had uh, Billy. Billy really taught him a lot, especially dealing with McGreevy. Yeah, the, uh... exactly, <laughs> exactly. Let's go right in. What What to you was the most authentic part about the the movie? The most authentic sports centric part? I think the 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 locker room. Um, I think the, the 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 way that they played, and I think that you know Billy's basically his this, the way he he managed the team, the way he presented um, his baseball knowledge was, I mean, from a perspective that Billy would be that calm and collected about it and intelligent about it after never having managed a game in his life. Uh, but just the way they talk baseball, the way that they they presented that particular um, aspect of it was was probably the most authentic part of it. I mean, obviously there was unrealistic parts about the way that they played things like that, the gameplay that had to fit into the narrative of the script. But it was it was pretty it was pretty solid. I mean, even from the manner in which they got out and get the pitcher from the bullpen. Um, now when they went to go get blackout Gatling, it was, it was like a three minute discussion on the mound. Yeah. The ump would have been up there pissed, (laughs) but, but I mean, just, just the way he went out to go get him, just the whole baseball part of it. They really, they really, you tell, they, they pride themselves on getting that down to, to make it look as real as it, as, as, as it could have been. To make the movie work, you had to have the, the kid who played Billy, which was Luke Edwards, you had to have him be somewhat somewhat realistic and believable as this mature 12-year-old who could you know accurately display his baseball skills and eventually sort of gain the respect of these guys. They could have gone super childish and Disney with it, like you know he's just this fun-loving kid, but they actually made him a fairly deep fairly mature character who's also dealing with you know the problems of being 12 for my most you know authentic I kind of want to go in that direction and just general in casting I thought they did you know a really good job with that baseball wise I mean 
they got guys who talked like ball players, and that's because a lot of them were ex ball players. Uh, the guy who played McGreevy was, you know, first round pick. Blackout Gatling was an ex first round pick. Um, Kevin Esler, who played the shortstop, was a current oh, yeah, big Kevin leaguer Elster, when the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, Elster. Yeah, I remember uh, him. He played for the Mets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A couple, um, you know, they had a couple, uh, couple ex big leaguers. So they they got a lot of players. Uh, they they clearly surrounded them with uh with extras that could play that look good uh you know guy they they filmed the scenes properly so if it was you know uh, they they filmed a lot of slow-mo but a lot of good looking slow-mo um you know I, I just thought the casting was really good and and they crushed the uh the pick timothy Busfe- busfield as luke collins i, I hope i'm pronouncing his name right but uh luke collins was kind of like the predecessor to joe mauer just a uh, kind, sweet swinging lefty. Uh, you know, he's really Joe Maurer before Joe Maurer in Minnesota. And, you know, they made him, you know, he, he looked good enough on screen. They did, they did a lot of his, his swings in slow-mo, but the swing looked good enough. You know, even the, uh, the play-by-play, John Gordon was the play-by-play guy, and he was actually the, uh, the Twins play-by-play guy until, you know, 2011. So, uh, you know, I, I thought they did great with casting. Yeah, yeah, he was the, he was the, Timothy Busfield. He was the brother in the middle in Field of Dreams. Yeah, he was a much he was a much better sports movie character in Little Big League than he was in uh, in Field of Dreams. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. very skeptical. Mm-hmm. I mean, but who could blame him? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. True. Yeah, they. I mean, and then getting all the. Uh, Getting all the MLB cameos. I mean, just to name a few, they got obviously they got Griffey, they got Pudge, uh, Randy Johnson, Tim Raines. So they got four Hall of Famers plus Rafi Palmero, Wally Joyner, Carlos Baerga, Sandy Alomar Jr. I mean, yeah, Barrosman and Alomar. Well, Baerga had like one swing. Mm-hmm. He was in during the the last Cle- the the Cleveland series at the end, mm-hmm. four game sweep. And then there was uh, Sandy Alomar with the where he couldn't get scales out at home. I think it was scales. Yeah, it was scales. Yeah, scales was sliding in at home. Sandy Alomar had that play at the plate. Yeah, Wally Joyner had a couple speaking parts. Yeah, Mickey it was Tettleton, really Mickey Tettleton was a catcher. I don't even know if Mickey Tettleton was still a catcher at the time. He was the, the uh, was he was the first antagonist, really, because yeah. they, they had Mickey Tettleton in that first Detroit series where he's kind of antagonizing the batter. Said, yeah. uh, "You going out for milk, milk and cookies?" Oh yeah, that, that's what got him to. That's what got him to rethink the hit and run. And he he ignored the hit and run, Hodges. Mm-hmm. And um, but the, the, the one thing that wasn't realistic was Ken Griffey Jr. being just like this villain. He was like, he, I know he was that, that's, that was not Ken Griffey Jr. at all. Talking, talking a little, uh, he was talking a little shit to Luke Collins saying he was going to take second, going to take third, might take home. That's not the Griffey we know. No. And then he, he came up and there's music came up. He was kind of like the, the bad guy in, in, uh, in, in major league, you know, like <laughs> the music came up when he came up to bat, but, um, the what they did was the grand illusion play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the, now I don't know if they. I don't know if you can really allow. I don't know if it's really allowed. I'd like to get the ruling on that about whether you can use the ushers and the security to help you with the play. Yeah, that was super super questionable. Every because everything else about it, everything else about it was fair. Um, so was that what? What was your? What was your least realistic? Was it was it just Griffey as the villain? Oh yeah, Griffey as the villain was 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 not realistic at all. Um, but the Grand Illusion play that the first time that play ever was done or at least documented was in the College World Series in 1982, and you can watch it on YouTube if you're what if you if you see um, if you're listening to this and you want to watch it on YouTube. It was in the College World Series. The University of Miami did it to Wichita State. And they did it just as if, just like the twins did in this movie, except they obviously they didn't have the help of the Omaha ushers and the, and the, and the security guard. But um, they did it just like that. And they got the guy out. The guy ran the second. That is and, a um, but, drop in. 
Yeah, so so you can watch it. If you just type in on YouTube, Miami, Wichita State trick play, it'll come up. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a great it's a great uh, it's, it's called the Grand Illusion. I had a tie for for least realistic. I want to know what you think about this. The first was the when the random plot right when Billy takes over the team about uh, Ricky Henderson being declared a free agent. It's well, like yeah, by the commissioner. Yeah, the commissioner. it's like <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't they just say uh, you know the the A's want to trade Ricky Henderson? Why would they, the commissioners declared Ricky Henderson a free agent? Like it's April. It's the middle of April. I have something with that that you would have been able, if, if Twitter was around in 94, you would have been able to nail on freezing cold takes. Because if the Twins had acquired Ricky Henderson, at least one person would have say would say, you know, that's a great acquisition. After 94, Ricky Henderson only had one season with with over two wins above replacement. After that, he was on a steep decline. So, yeah, so it would have been a bad Billy, move. I mean, Billy, it was, it was his first savvy decision of the movie is not going to get Ricky Henderson. And well, maybe then, if with Billy managing, he would have utilized him correctly. That's true. That that, that could be, you know, that's it maybe... Scale, it would have been needed. actually a good leadoff hitter to have. I mean, Scales couldn't hit. He did touch... He did He did, He did. did hit the home run in the, in the last game, but uh, Ricky would have been a much better leadoff hitter, although uh, he was a great... Sec- Mickey Scales was the perfect second baseman who didn't hit well, was fast, though. Yeah, he looked He looked the part. The other thing I had for least realistic is uh, Billy and his mom were just not rich enough to be the the heirs to Major League Baseball. Billy's going to public high school. (laughs) Their house is really nice, but come on, they'd be living in a car. Yeah, she's had a station wagon. Yeah, I mean, she would have had a driver. So that that was my only thing. Like they, you know, and they, it was, you know, you got to make Billy like a relatable kid and stuff. But uh, yeah, nowhere near rich enough. I mean, you know, imagine any any owner's kid. There's a bunch of things that I was thinking about. Well, one thing I'd love to know about, and I don't think that this was right, but I, it could be wrong. But I just don't see the the twins flying commercial. They were flying commercial everywhere because they were just sitting in the gate, it, it, like it, like they were just regular pl- passengers. Oh, that's at a good the airport, point. I didn't even at the airport, they charter flights. I mean, like, come on. And I know it's 94, but they're not going around through the gates like normal passengers for all road trips. Yeah, that's a I, yeah, I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, that, that. that was that was it. Uh, he was so excited to see Roger Clemens pitch. And it was so weird that Billy's friends are so mesmerized that Billy gets to see Roger Clemens. And he did the, the science project. He recycled the science project. They go. Wow, the rocket, Roger Clemens. His grandpa owns the twins. I mean, you'd think that they'd be on just, it's really cool to see Roger Clemens pitch. Yeah, they're so, um, they're playing at the field for the first time. I guess we're, we're kind of leaking into what didn't work. I'm fine actually starting with that because there's less of what was, un, you know, what didn't work or what was unrealistic. But right, at, right after Billy's grandpa, you know, the owner of the twins passes away, him and his friends are all, playing on the field and and they're like oh this is so cool and the usher is like what are you kids doing out here like the usher would 100 percent know who that is that would not be the first time those kids have gotten to play on the metrodome like it's not like the grand the grandpa wasn't like keeping the team away from him like he was clearly you know as nice as he could possibly be they would have been playing around at the metrodome since they were like five years old right right i mean they, they would have so much more than you know it, how cool would it be to see Roger Clemens pitch after being the owner, grandpa's the owner of the twins, you being around the clubhouse with everybody. And then you go, you go on the field as two friends, right? Like, like they haven't been there. They haven't been to the game. Um, I just can't believe Matt is going to bunt his best here. Here's one. Uh, McGreevy tanking. Mm-hmm. in a contract year i don't care who I know. the manager is <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> there none is of these no guys player it, it doesn't matter who the manager is uh, you're worried about your statistics and performing tremendously on a contract year yeah um billy is not getting he, in the way of mcgreevy mcgreevy's saying you're taking food off his table uh food off his plate if he has a great year which has really kind of let little effect on on if he could just pitch great every time he goes up there, 
then he's a free agent and he could sign with anybody for a ton of money. Yeah. Made no sense. And, and he's so never concerned. Tank. Never tank. A guy who's that concerned about his contract. Yeah. He's concerned with getting out of Minnesota too. So that the only way to get out of Minnesota without being released and having to work your way back on a minor league spring training invite is, you know, get is, is to pitch well. Yeah. I, I had that one down too. That's, you know, that, that doesn't work at all. Never tank in a contract year. Players wouldn't tank to begin with because they're very concerned about, especially in baseball, your statistics are everything. So, uh, but, but especially in a contract year, which just wouldn't happen. He'd be, he would, he would be so focused on pitching. Well, mm-hmm. um, I've got another, uh, that, that didn't really work. So, uh, and we're going to take from another sports movie. One of the, the more famous scenes in Moneyball is first, uh, when, when Billy Bean, Brad Pitt is walking Jonah Hill's character through how do you, you know, how you cut a guy, how you trade a guy, how you release a guy or send a guy down in this movie and and he's the GM in this movie, Billy's the manager. He's 12 years old. He's known that he's known Jerry for a long time and they make Billy bring Bring Jerry into his office alone. They make a 12 year old firing, (laughs) which is awful. That should be the GM because that's a GM's decision. Right. Right. And it was, and, and GM really didn't seem to have any play in any of the decisions. Mac, is the one who really kind of convinced the pitching coach, who had a lot more of a duties than pit, just pitching coach, uh, seemingly. The pitching coach is the one who convinced Billy, it seemed, to cut Jerry. And I don't, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like he would be the one to have to fire him in that situation. Or at least you'd have a lot of people in there, or at least one or two people in there. Um, there, there really was the front office was simply Arthur, the GM, who didn't, who really we didn't hear him talk about anything that a GM would talk about. Yeah, he only had a couple. And of Mac, things. the pitching coach, the pitching coach was very high in the hierarchy of this decision making. Um, it was kind of like a Leo Mazzoni thing with Bobby Cox, but you know, he he seemed to be he should have probably made more money than he was making given. He was doing a lot of managerial stuff. He's wearing a lot of hats. Yeah, he was wearing a lot of hats for a pitching coach. Um, there was really only two managers. Uh, there was a general manager, the pitching coach. Now, speaking of the general manager, what a snitch! Turning in the bill to his mom for the night nurses of Jersey. I, I, oh, I, I know. The, That's the, the, a tough, the team tough for Billy. Almost certainly paying for that. There's no way that the GM directly sent. Billy's mom, the night nurses from Jersey Bill. Arthur, what a snitch move. What a good uh Billy being a good friend though, watching his first his first pay-per-view hotel porn movie, calls his buddy so his buddy can hear. Girls, please, I'm on call. That's perfect, because I need a specialist for what I've got. Careful, please. That was a gift from my third wife. Chuck, listen. Come on, doctor. Haven't you ever given an exam in your office before? Night nurses from Jersey. Yeah. They're off the turnpike and on duty for love. It's on all night. You just hit a button, they send it right to your room. The great thing is, nobody knows. Yeah, yeah, that was... I had that as something that was realistic, like... You know, yeah, yeah. He's in the hotel. What does he do? You know, he's twelve years old. He's he's in a hotel by himself for the first time. I thought uh, I I thought that was very funny. Actually, I, I really enjoyed that scene. <laughs> I just uh, I, ha, what a snitch! Like, how mm-hmm. does Arthur send her the bill? Why is why is his mom paying the bill? It's a major league baseball team. He's the owner of the team. They're paying his night nurses from Jersey thing. So this might not be something that didn't work, but it's just just a question. Uh, before we get into what worked, how do you feel? How do you feel about Lou dating Billy's mom? And do you think that Lou and his mom did a good job with that? Because I really don't think they did. I don't think you know. As, as someone, I was I was a single dad. Uh, obviously, my my son is a lot younger than Billy, but I, you know, I now I'm now engaged, but. It's something that you, you really take the the child into consideration, and now considering that the child is technically also your boss, 
uh, you, you got to factor that in. And they just kind of like rolled with it. They didn't really talk to Billy about it or anything. Like they had him approve the first date, but then it was like, hey, hey, Billy, guess what? I'm sleeping with your mother. It didn't materialize as to why Billy was mad at Lou. It didn't seem like that really didn't develop within the movie because Billy was upset at Lou, I guess, for dating his mom. But that was never really discussed. Yeah. He stopped. He, he, he benched him. Um, it, it didn't seem like Billy thought that Lou was taking time away from his mom, taking Billy's time away from his mom. Yeah, it was almost just kind of a random bitterness thing. He was very nice. He didn't do anything wrong. It, I just, it, it didn't, that didn't really form as to why Billy was upset. There was never really any expansion as to why Billy was upset at him. I think you could understand why Billy was upset, but at the same time, they didn't convey it on screen, I think is what you're saying. They didn't really. Yeah, didn't it wasn't really, conveyed. It wasn't there's really nothing set in that. developed. It uh, wasn't. And there wasn't a reason, there wasn't really a legit reason besides he was dating his mom, but he already knew that Lou was dating his mom and he was, he was all for it at the beginning. So what changed? It just didn't make any sense. The stress definitely wore on, it definitely wore on Billy. Uh, Fred, what worked for you in this movie? Let's get into, let's get into what was good about this movie because I think, you know, we touched on a a little bit of stuff, but I, I think this movie does a great baseball job, honestly, which you wouldn't expect in a movie about a 12-year-old managing a major league team. But I think it actually does a really good job. Oh, yeah. All the baseball scenes were great. Um, I liked, I mean, even the ones they worked in that didn't make sense that would never happen were fun. The fun scenes were fun. They weren't as ridiculous as the scenes like in Rookie of the Year. And for baseball, for, for real hardcore baseball fans, especially ones who were kids at that time, that's we could appreciate that. But I think there were a lot less people who appreciate that over the rookie of the year one, but it was, it was good. Um, they, the, the montages were good, even though it was clearly they were pulling everything. Yeah. The runaround Sioux montage was great. There's a drive to deep right field. Could be, might be. It is home run. Welcome back. Will Collins. Yeah, they were pulling everything during that, and there was obvious pitching machine, or the Indians pitchers were throwing complete meatballs mm-hmm. during that. But um, there were some nice dynamite drop-ins, too. Like mm-hmm. Lonnie, Lonnie got hurt from colliding with Cecil in Detroit. You know, Cecil Fielder. Uh, at Jim Abbott on the mound for the Yankees in the hypo. Mm-hmm. They they did every little bit of MLB reference they could get in this movie. Having a Berman come do baseball tonight, which I thought was cool. Berman was a little bit more jolly than he probably would have been on the. Uh, no way, I mean, if Billy walks out in that meeting, that's on Sports Center so much. Oh, and well, there's like that's something that would have resurfaced when YouTube came around of Berman just flipping out because some manager walked off the set with him. He was so he wasn't upset at all with Billy walking upset. The feistiness of a champion, mm-hmm. and then um, <laughs> the stucco. I, 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 <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, the 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 wild card spot. That was the first year of the wild card. It was actually uh, the movie came out during the strike year. It came out in '94. Which is, you know, obviously uh, there was, it was the only, yeah, it was the only playoff race in 1994. Well, oh yeah, the Mariners Twins playoff race was the only playoff race. <laughs> Billy falling asleep in the dugout would be a big thing. Oh, that would be huge. Even in, even in 94 when there's not cameras everywhere. Uh, yeah, that would have been, that would have been big on SportsCenter. Now, I mean, like imagine, now imagine if there was Twitter now, Billy... Of course, the obviously the there would be a lot of think pieces and hot takes about Billy managing the team. But I think the, the you know how many retweets and likes would it be with, if there was a clip of Billy's mom wiping the schmutz off his face? Oh, that it'd be so bad. <laughs> I mean, the falling asleep in the dugout thing—it would have been like you remember Griffey's last season when he basically there was that story about that he fell asleep in the clubhouse. 
when he was back with the Mariners. Like it would have been that times a thousand. Speaking of Griffey, watching this movie, how great is it to watch that home run from that angle that he just crushes, and then watching him run like a gazelle in center field again? That was a that was such a classic Griffey move. Although he ran a little a lot farther than he would probably have had to run. Oh yeah, yeah, he ran from like it was a long run. I mean, they really made that very dramatic. They did a good job filming the baseball to to where it came realistic. They got, you know, they got everything out of the the major leaguers. It really looked like Randy Johnson was ripping off a pitch. They they had the stadium backdrops, but like even the stadiums it was it was definitely they weren't playing on those stadiums. I mean, mostly. Like the the Fenway Park dugout, they matched it up. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, the hotel, the fancy hotel dinners uh, they were having was good. I, 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 yeah, the, the, I didn't understand the, the airport, I guess they, they wanted to make it look like they were traveling. So mm-hmm. this was a movie that could have really mailed in the baseball aspect and just done kind of the corny, cheesy, you know, kids managing a baseball team, but they really put the effort in to make it feel like it was, it was big league action within a combination of like filming techniques, using a lot of effective slow-mo getting guys who, who look believable playing, especially, you know, cause a lot of them are ex players. Um, so, you know, some effective like wide shots or extended shots where, you know, it's clearly extras throwing the ball and stuff. Which I, it's part of why I started this podcast. Like I love stuff like that. It, it's it makes a sports movie. It just takes a sports movie to a different level, and it's really respectable when they actually put in the effort to get people who who look like they can play. I wonder why they chose the twins. I wonder why. I wonder what goes into that. Is it because it was they they were able to procure the metronome? Probably so. It's probably something like that. But I just like to think that that. They realized that Twins fans like myself were going to be in for a really, really shitty decade. And we're just like, you know, <laughs> got, like they're two years away from losing Puckett to glaucoma. And then like, you know, 10 years away from finding out about what Kirby Puckett was like in real life. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to go through the contraction risk and everything like that. Like, you know, give them something. Lou Collins was like my second favorite twin in the 90s. Like, that's how bleak things were. It was like Puckett, Lou Collins, and Brad Radke. Wasn't a great way to grow up. That's right. Um, Control artist. He he was a lot more likable than uh, than Ace Mike McGreevy in this movie. During the during the final series against the Indians, the sweep. I think it was Lonnie Ritter, or it could have been uh, the other guy in the outfield, the center fielder, uh, Michael Papajohn. He played baseball for LSU, the center fielder, and he was also the carjacker in Spider-Man. Fun fact. Oh, that was so he that guy, he made a legit Willie Mays catch. Yeah, it was it, it made was it look like so yeah, routine. It was, it was so routine. Yeah, I mean, he also saved he, McGreevy he before, a good job. Caught great catch on Paul O'Neill, pulled it out in the outfield and uh he caught it. Yeah, they got Paul O'Neill in the movie. I mean, they they really did a great job. Who was the best on-screen athlete for you? With this movie, there's a lot to pick from. It's really hard to pick one. Oh, Scales, probably. I, I, I had him down. Uh, Antonio Lewis Todd is Scales. And then the guy who, uh, who played McGreevy was actually, I mean, he was a first-round pick. He got up to AAA. He wasn't that far removed from his career. Uh, you know, and they give him some, um, some screen time, too. He's pretty big too. He's tall. He's got a great pitcher's pitcher's build. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just couldn't tell really. He was just pitcher, so he, you couldn't really. T- he wasn't running, um, but yeah, he he was he was a good. He looked he looked very realistic. Yeah, yeah so he looked, since looked he played for worst athlete, I have the only one who really like looked bad, but it was really an intentional thing. Was Dwayne Davis who plays Jerry, and we were kind of talking before we recorded. He plays everyone in every 90s sports movie he's the official 90s sports movie guy i mean alvin mack which is was his best role in the program which you could easily do for this uh podcast oh yeah it's on the agenda uh, and um uh there and he played featherstone the receiver who kept dropping the ball in necessary roughness he was the um he played bo kimball in the hank gathers story the made for tv hank gathers story he played, well, summer school was the 80s. 
He was barely in that. He was the guy who went to the bathroom at the beginning of the movie and then came back at the end. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's in a lot of sports movies. He's just the official sports movie guy. Yeah, well, as Jerry in this movie, I mean, they really they show two at bats. They show the one where he strikes out on three pitches, and he he misses the yeah he misses the ball by like four feet. Um, <laughs> you know, which I'm I don't want to knock the actor because basically they're trying to show that he's washed up and over the hill. And then his next at bat, the next time they show him, he gets like that seeing eye single, and Billy just loses his shit because he's so happy. He swung and missed on the first pitch the same way he struck on the three he did with the three strikeout pitches from the other one. Yeah. How was he questioning that he was going to be released? He had to know. Yeah, that's another <laughs> thing with that with that release. Like every time there's a, you know, in baseball, you, you always know, especially an older guy. He's been around for, you know, he'd been with the Twins for 11 years. You know, guy, guys know that this is coming. Like the... Uh, you know, we're recording this uh, first week of May. The Reds just cut Matt Kemp. You know, he knew he knew what the deal was. You know, you, you know, especially, you know, he's on the bench. He's getting, you know, no playing time. You know, he's only coming in sporadically. He's not hitting. It's just kind of a given. You know, you're you're an 11 year vet. You know what's coming and you're not going to blow up on the 12 year old kid who has to do it either. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe he thought he was safe because Billy and him were such pals. But uh, it's business. I mean, and they were in a pennant race. Mac was right. Yeah, um, Mac yeah. was one hundred percent. Mac knew what he was doing. Mac the that uh, was one of Billy's all- one of Billy's only weak signs of weakness. I mean, he he was he, it was such a power move firing O'Farrell at the very beginning. Such a power move. Yeah, because Dennis Farina is intimidating. Yeah, and how? But how does the grandpa? I don't understand. The grandpa seemed like such a great owner, seemed like such a great baseball guy. How did he believe that O'Farrell was the right manager for the team? It was plainly obvious he was the, the terrible manager. O'Farrell was the worst. He was the worst character in this movie. I'm actually giving him worse athlete. There's no way that he would have been a good baseball manager. He loves his picture with Ditka, with Mike Ditka on the wall. Like, that made me almost that made me almost spit my drink out when I saw it when I was rewatching it. I was like, that's the most random thing ever. He just got this picture with Mike Ditka on the wall. Uh which was yeah, crazy. I mean, so he's kind of worst on screen athlete is uh O'Farrell is the manager. Cause I mean there's just no way. Cause I mean, part of being a baseball manager obviously is you know, knowing, you know, game situations, game management, etc. But a lot of it is just keeping your team happy. Uh, you know, keeping a clubhouse chemistry, and he was awful at it. Well, yeah, there was a very hyperbolic uh, way of showing that the manager was a bad manager, mean guy. But uh, it was funny. I mean, like, the damn thing don't curve. <laughs> it was such a basic analysis. But, yeah, I mean, how do you... <laughs> long division. It's like my long, long division. One thing I don't know how we haven't talked about yet is Blackout Gatling was essentially an early version of Kenny Powers. He had the the power reliever goatee, he had the belly, he had the you know the shirt, a couple unbuttons. He's just a guy who threw gas. Uh, he he was early version Kenny Powers. He was kids movie Kenny Powers. Yeah, he was very friendly Kenny Powers. Very very uh, a nice Disney 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 version of Kenny Powers. You're not a rap boy. <laughs> admitted his faults unlike <laughs> Fred how would you improve this movie what, what would you do baseball wise to improve this movie there's really I don't you know I don't think there's a whole lot uh, what, what would you do to improve it for me it's really just the Ricky Henderson thing I would just say Ricky Henderson's on the block that's 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 really all I would change just say Ricky Henderson's on the block he, he's the the A's want to trade Ricky Henderson um <laughs> they they could have had a good player on their team. They could have had a major leaguer on their team, but I guess that kind of takes away from it. But uh, you could have find a, a, a solid actor for major leaguer, one of the better actors, and put him on the team. Mm-hmm. Man, I would have loved if they would have gotten like Kent Herback on the team. <laughs> yeah. That would have been if I if I had to pick a twin who was you know from that time frame who was going to be on the team. Kent Herback would have been great. In that movie, although he plays first base, he would have taken Luke Collins' spot. But I would have loved to have seen Ken Her back out there. Yeah, we could have pushed him off the base and tagged him like he did with Lonnie Smith. No, that was Ron Gant, and he and he fell. 
Braun Gant was off balance and he fell. I watched the uh, the '91 World Series VHS like every night, you know, before bed when I was growing up. And uh, yeah, Ron Gant fell. He was, he, <laughs> he was not pulled. He fell. He was off balance. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, if you think about it more, there's probably a little bit more that they could have done. But um, you know, the baseball scene to this movie is what made me want to keep watching the movie. Um, not really the plot line as much. Uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was just the, you know, and thinking about being Billy and you're a kid, you're like, oh yeah, that's a great thing to be. God, that would be great. You know, if you be the manager of the twins, I could do that. It was the dream. Uh, yeah. I love how he came and coached third base himself. Shades of, shades of, of Tommy Lasorda. I, I meant to ask you this earlier, but we just kind of got going. What was what if you got handed the reins of baseball team at twelve years old? What was the first thing you would have done? Oh God, I don't know. Um, uh, I would have probably yeah. Uh, the first thing I would have done. I don't know. I mean, like I, I guess I would meet all the players. Uh, it's it, it, it's weird. I, I wouldn't know what to do. See, for me, I would think. I'm 12 years old. At that point in my life, like I'm thinking, you know, money kind of grows on trees. I've got grandpa's massive wallet, you know, sitting in my back pocket. I've got my inheritance. It's 94. I don't, I can't remember when Bond signed with the, with the Giants. I feel like it was around that time that he went to San Francisco, but whoever the top free agent was, he would have been mine. I would have, I would have collected my own fantasy team. I would have, I would have burned through my inheritance really quickly in free agency and it would have been bad business moves you'd be stuck with bad contracts yeah i would have i would have signed free agent ricky henderson and be stuck with a sub two war for you know seven to eight years or however long ricky played forever but uh nothing really productive after 94 valentine and herzog didn't want to come <laughs> imagine now imagine valentine if they would have hired bobby valentine i don't think he would have helped the twins because they I mean they needed an infusion of fun yeah they didn't they didn't need bobby valentine didn't need bobby v last category uh this is a new one for this episode i'm calling this the big chill uh part of what makes a sports movie great are moments that they give you the chills uh what was it for you did was there anything in this movie because this movie isn't really you know, it, it doesn't have a lot of that. I've only got one. For this movie, the, the big chill, the, the movie, that, the part of this, God, it wasn't really, a, a, I guess, Billy going out and, uh, and, and tipping his cap. Um, excuse me, Mr. Haywood, but um, uh, they're still here. Who? Everybody. That's what I got. I think that's the closest. Yeah. It wasn't anything that made my like the hair stand up on the back of my neck or anything. It's not the uh, you know, it's not Rick Vaughn coming out to Wild Thing. It's, it's not, not the, the Rudy Sack. I yeah. mean, uh, it's not uh we're n- next week on this podcast we're doing Miracle and it's not, you know, 10 scenes for Miracle. Uh, not not to give too much away, but miracle for me is the fun the, the part. Now, miracle is extra Disney. I mean, you guys will have a lot to pick apart with that. But uh, uh, when when they keep doing the the skating at the end, after they lose the first mm-hmm. exhibition, and they he's, he keeps asking where they're from. Finally, uh, the captain says he's from the United States of America, and says in the college. Practice it gets over. me every time. <laughs> it gets over. me every time. It it uh that that is something that even if I think about it, that gets me going. This movie is, I think, great. I love this movie, uh, but it it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that aspect. And I think, kind of touching on what you said earlier, that that's what makes it probably not a Hall of Fame sports movie. Potentially not even all sorts because it doesn't have you know if you're going to be an all time great sports movie, you've got to have that kind of moment. 
Right, like Hano striking out so. even on the on the on the pitch on the mm-hmm. the underhand pitch. Yeah, um, he, oh. he licks his lips. He licks his. Lips. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of when when I finally do rookie of the year on this podcast. I think there's going to be a lot of juxtaposition and comparison. Well, if you know the rookie of the year, the the ultimate is you see the hand. You you notice the hand. It's one of the most obvious things. You when 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 Hado hits the foul ball. And it's stay fair, stay fair, go foul, go foul, stay fair, stay fair. Um, you see the hand throwing up the ball. <laughs> so you notice that when you do Rookie of the Year. Yeah. We've been discussing it for which, years. Yeah, which you don't, yeah, you don't get any of that in this movie. They, uh, they did a good job you know, with all the baseball action, which is you know, something I'm glad for because I, I love being able to I, – I love this movie still holding up. I watched it with my fiancé last night. It was the first time she had seen it. She really enjoyed it. You know, it came out, you know, 25 years ago, and it still really holds up. Yeah, I got an eight-year-old son. Um, oh, he's my wife, my wife perfect said, for yeah, it. Perfect. We should, we should should keep it on the Amazon for a second because I, I, I put it on my Amazon. So we should watch it uh, with him. It, it is perfect for him. You know, and that's a good, another good part about this movie. Unlike a lot of the, the sports classics, like I can't show my kid Major League for a long time. I can show him this one tomorrow. He won't get it. but Right. You know, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it, like it like it says in the description, it's an American family sports film. But uh, you know, I enjoyed going over it with you. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, Fred. Uh, I think everyone knows, but where can the people follow you on Twitter? Oh yeah, follow me at Old Takes Exposed on Twitter, and uh, Freezing Cold Takes on Instagram. And uh, yeah, this is fun. I mean, I, I enjoy this type of stuff tremendously. Uh, talking about these type of movies. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, you know, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I thought we had a good time, and I'll definitely be looking out for you uh, exposing everyone's, you know, freezing cold takes. Uh, and as always, if uh, you're enjoying Trouble with the Script, please remember to subscribe uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, rate, leave a review, and we will uh, catch you next week. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.